Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and DEF CON badges. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 387. And this week we have Hyron and Zap from Anna Exor on. Hyron is an engineer and works in all things hackery. Zap is a software coder by trade, day job as a manager. Actually, that's not accurate anymore. <laughs> you're not you're not managing anything anymore. No, I'm I'm just managing myself. I'm an engineer. <laughs> I went back to the dark side. Technically, you're a manager. <laughs> so uh, you wrote a little bit of thing here about what Anna Exor does and what our badges. Yes, we totally wrote this. We make cool stuff. It's like art you can wear called badges. They have special parts we design and make just for them. We also write special computer programs that go inside the badges. The badges are super fun because they let you play games and solve puzzles with your friends. They even use special radio waves to talk to each other. The badges have shiny lights that blink and show different colors. They also have cool pictures that move and games you can play. It's like magic. And this was totally not written by ChatGPT. <laughs> I don't know what SAG-AFTRA is worried about. It. <laughs> <laughs> so Zap and Hyron have been on previous episodes. That was like episode 69, 109, 183, like 238 and 342, I think. And then also like many Star Wars episodes they've been on. But for new listeners or people who are just like listening to y'all talk about badges at the same time, give us a brief overview of what Anna XOR is about. So, history of badges, or what are badges? Because yeah, people are probably hearing it going, what the hell, badges? DEF CON's a fun place, it's a hacker conference. Not necessarily an infosec conference. You get a lot of people doing weird, crazy projects, and a lot of things are related to security, mostly related to security. But many years ago, Joe Grand started a tradition where instead of your traditional paper badge with like your handle on it, he designed a badge with PCB. And I believe the very first one was just PCB with two anode or cathode LEDs, Lincoln lights. And it kind of spurred off a kind of a hobbyist community where not only were people working for DEF CON, making the official DEF CON badge, but different groups were interested in making their own electronic badge and trying to design your own PCB, get certain things, working with different challenges, radio, lights, and trying to bring it all together. So when did Anna XOR as a group actually start? That's a zap thing. Yeah, that was DEF CON 20. And that was just to start our hack our own project. And it started kind of around hacking the DEF CON badge and doing some fun, interesting things around that. We uh, decided that we would mess with people at DEF CON and create a fake party. Actually create the Anodics or Twitter account and just started tweeting out, hey, if you come to this place at this time, we'll give you a, a pass to this elite party that only certain people can get into. And uh, but of course, we were never there. So they, they would show up and then they'd tweet us, hey, what the hell, you're right here, blah, blah, blah. And that's just kind of how we started off trolling. And that became our, our kind of group handle for all the projects we did at DEF CON, either making backpacks that ran Wi-Fi hotspots we encouraged people to hack, or eventually our first DEF CON badge at DEF CON 24, where uh, I put like five grand on my credit card and then hoped that 
hoped we could sell enough at DEF CON to make the money back. My wife was okay with five grand in potential loss. And it turned out it became very, very popular. We got crowded in the hallways. And because of that, we decided to do it again, uh, although a little bit more upscale and a little bit more well-planned at DEF CON 25. Hiron joined us at 24 because we actually know him from before that. But that's a quick history. And yeah, we've done, I think, seven or eight badges since then and kind of varying it up every year. And if people wanted to look at what AnnoXOR does and the badges you all have done, is there a good way to do that? Yes, look at andnxor.com. We do try sometimes, maybe, upload pictures and link to things that we've done on there, including some of the the different media that have written about us. We've been on BBC. uh, Hackaday Plenty has featured our stuff. So that's, that's a good way to see our projects. We've also posted a lot of our code and our Gerber's on GitHub, and we've seen some of our badges come back in following years as derivatives, where people have taken the code, respun their own badge, and then uh, put it back out there. So that's a lot of fun to see. That always warms my heart. Like people come up and say, I made this because you made this and you shared this. And what do you think about this? And it's interesting because I think as technical people, like we like the nice things, but then we look at a certain chipset or thing and go, oh my God, you use this chipset. Tell me you hate this too. And then you start digging that their data sheet is so messed up. <laughs> but it's it's always fun to like banter with other people that are just making stuff and going through the same kind of hurdles and fun that you do. Well, I, I can tell you that because of one of your badges and what you did on one of your badges, a, a particular chip ended up on a product I designed because I wasn't aware that we could so easily drive a gazillion LEDs until I saw your chip, uh, your badge, and saw a chip, particular one on there, I was like, mm, maybe I could use that, and it ended up working for the product I was I was working with. Nice. I, th- I think I know exactly what chip you're talking about. <laughs> one chip to rule them all. Yep, that was a fun one. Although it was hard, it was a hard project. That, that, that chip was it was a little annoying to set up. There was, there yep. was yeah, there was some extra stuff that <laughs> kind of creeped up in the prototypes. Yeah, that that was the LED matrix driver, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And the data sheet as far as how you, you brought up the chip was incomplete. Exactly. Yeah, the gas mask badge. Mm-hmm. The chip set on that, was it gave you partial instructions, and then you could find sample code or examples for other chips in the family, but they weren't quite the same. So it really took some trial and error to finally get it to start working. I remember showing uh, the schematic after I had originally drawn it up to some of the other people, and they were like, that's that's really how you hook this up? And I was like, that's what the data sheet says. <laughs> it, it worked on the first time, but the software was a little funky to write. And then when did I get involved? Uh, that was what, DC? Oh, I think it was 27. 27 sounds correct. 27 was like, uh, no, 26 was the cowboy. 27 was the gas mask. Yeah, so cowboy was when I started working on some of the stuff. I think as like an unofficial member. That was, was our first say, macrofab. Yeah. Yeah. When we did the the gas mask, you you worked on the Doom guy. Essay. Correct. So it was the the year before that. I worked like as a what we call an intern, I guess, at, at the XOR, <laughs> doing like the design for manufacturability for that badge. Does Does that mean it was unpaid work? It's all unpaid work. It's all unpaid. <laughs> That's kind of the joke. <laughs> this is an we outlet for creativeness. We do this for fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think also like podcast wise, as we're talking about it and yeah, you were just holding up a badge. I mean, 
I think it's really trying to stretch what you can do with PCBA on, I can use different types of FR4 and solder mask and colors and negative solder mask and things to do artistic representations on circuit boards. And then we try to step it up a level because we're not just putting LEDs on there. But I think when you were mentioning the gas mask one or even the cowboy one, like we were trying layers of PCBs, like the cowboy had a bandana over his mouth, which was an LED matrix or the gas mask one had light pipes so we could actually refract light and make it pop out. So it's kind of like maker hackery imagineering stuff that's just, I don't know, it's fun. What can we do that's not normal with electronics design? Ergo, getting Parker spun up on, can we turn a vending machine into a giant IoT device to vend badges? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was the project last. I guess it's the project this year, too. But that was that was the big project last year for sure. Yeah. And that's what all of our badges last year, which were the smartwatch that we repurposed, really went into support and bring up Snacky as a thing. And now it's a thing. And it's a, it's a personality. It's got its own identity. I think, I think that's my favorite thing is to be a snack machine on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about the uh, the other snack machine or vending machine that showed up at DEF CON at the same time? Oh, that was, uh, sure. Yeah, that was unexpected, but fun. Wait, you had an imposter snack either? No, that would be cool, but no. <laughs> it's like two snack machines showed up and stared at each other and they were like, ooh. <laughs> Only one leaves. <laughs> Caesar's form is only big enough for one snack machine. <laughs> no, it was actually, it was really funny too. Cause like we unloaded at the same time too, which was really weird. Yeah. Cause like it, that wasn't planned at all. Like another group brought a soda machine that dispenses shell codes for, they have like a bunch of servers inside of it. Yeah. They, they were kind of throwing some shade. They're like, Oh, how many, uh, x86 cores you got in that thing like we have one raspberry pi <laughs> and they've got like you know like 64 cores and they're vending all these shells and you know like, you want a linux shell like we could just that's a dollar if you want a, a windows shell it's ten dollars <laughs> you know i guess for those who haven't uh, been keeping up with all the previous episodes you guys should probably give a description of what's actually we're talking about here with this snack machine so the snack machine was just one of those ideas that we had in one of our many we basically have these calls on discord and it would be trying to come up with ideas for the badge. And it's usually like, Hey, I've got this. And we kind of start working through. And then, you know, Parker goes, Hey, it'd be really cool if we had a vending machine. Like I could totally find well, that, that one. Was, yeah. The problem was we were trying to solve was distribution of badges. Cause it ended up being like, cause we'd have like trunks full of badges and you'd always have to go back to like a room and then, you know, restock, restock. And it's just a pain in the butt. So it's like, oh, what if we just had like a central location where people can just go get their badge? And that's how the snack machine, vending machine kind of yeah. became. I was going to say on top of that, like, you know, we give them away and we usually give them away to people doing cool things, you know, doing some kind of challenge, showing like, oh, crap, you hacked something really awesome. Oh, I didn't expect you to do that. That's super cool. Here's a badge. And I think we, you know, we've improved it this year, but we were trying to tie in like a capture the flag platform with challenges to vending codes. So that, that way someone could hack something or find something and get this code and then go punch it in and it vends them a badge. 
and it was running on Raspberry Pi with Wi-Fi, so it was as resilient as you would expect it to be. Yeah, rebuilding that Pi image as the doors are opening for Defcon for people to come into the contest area was a lot of fun. Although I would say where Defcon put us was perfect. They put Snacky right in the middle of the contest area. So the first thing you see when those doors open is this huge glowing vending machine. And of course, all the hackers are drawn to that. So we had a crowd around Snacky the entire time. Yeah, that was the thing. It had a crowd around the snack machine for basically since the doors opened till doors closed. I don't expect it to be any different this year. We're off to the side this year, but that's okay. I think people know it's coming and they're, they're planning for it. Yeah, out of curiosity, have you been advertising that Snacky's coming back? Uh, lightly. Oh. I, th- I think people, well, if they people ask, we tell them, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming back bigger and better. Well, not, maybe not bigger, but it's coming back better. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not bigger. <laughs> Snacky, 300% bigger on a semi-truck. <laughs> yeah, because Parker actually has to haul it multiple states away. Yeah, yeah. It makes a 3,000-mile trip every year. But yeah, uh, Snacky is it's just a weird project, I guess. Because this year, we had a bunch of ideas for like things we wanted to do more on Snacky. But this year ended up being just fixing all the things that we learned from last year. So I, I, I'm not lying. Like, there are TikTok. a couple of things that we, that we learned about it, such as the mains voltage. That was yeah. a fun one. I don't know if you want to go into that. Yeah, no, that's a good one, actually. Originally, we uh, redesigned the entire hardware that runs a snack machine, like ripped out the old board, built our own new hardware that went in there, and that included the power supply. But I kind of wanted like to try to keep as much as the original like vending machine soul as possible. So I try to keep as much other parts. So like the unregulated transformer that's in there, I use that, which takes the line in and then regulates it down to like 24 volts or something like that, AC. And then I had that go into a rectifier on the board and all that good stuff. It worked great here in my garage in Texas where line voltage is like, I think it's like 110-ish, like 112 maybe. Well, we got the Caesars, the form, and set up Snacky. And the day actually we set it up, everything worked fine. Okay, The next day when they turned on all the power for like the whole facility, it basically gave Snacky 120 volts, like dead even, which actually was after it got rectified was too hot for the DC to DC converter inside of Snacky and would just like trip immediately. You did not build in your production environment. You built off the, the resilient Texas power grid. Oh, yeah, totally. Ooh. The hun- <laughs> 110 volts is at 120. <laughs> I was going to say it's 107. Yeah. From Whataburger. <laughs> But fortunately, we had a, a a DIN rail in there that had a power supply built into it. That, a DIN rail power supply, basically, that was like any AC in gives you 24 volt DC out. And that ran, that runs the thermal printer on <laughs> Snacky. So Snacky also has a, th- a NFT printer, by the way. But the that runs the printer, and we actually just tapped that into our board and basically bypassed the, the transformer. Not fixed the problem. And it worked. As soon as you bypassed that, everything just came up and worked. Yeah, and it was one of those definitely like I had no idea how to fix it. And I went away and took a shower, came back, and I like in the shower, I was like, ah, Eureka, let's just <laughs> bypass that part and go off that power supply. Probably like four beers in there too. <laughs> yeah. Not in the shower, right? Maybe. Oh, uh, probably. 
<laughs> always, <laughs> always zestfully clean IPA. Uh, yeah. What's the the famous thing? Like all laid plans. You know, the moment you you or is it? It's like the Marine saying. No plans survive the enemy. Yeah, there you go. No plans survive DEFCON. No, never. That's the joke. Everyone tries to plan as much as they can months out. And then, you know, we're we're two weeks out. And we're like, screw it. And it, let's just roll new stuff. This is what we're doing now. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. The chaos and the failures like that, I think they they make the story. And that's what I end up remembering and enjoying the most. <laughs> like, hey, we hit this challenge at DEFCON. This is how we overcame it. And in the end, it was a success. If it just runs perfectly to plan, I don't know if I'd have as much fun, especially if that's happening year over year. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally true of of many projects. I was part of an art collective back in Houston where we did art, you know, uh, the boundary between art and technology. And we'd always have these really grand plans for these wacky art installations, and then we'd make them, and it would be a week straight of all-nighters, you know, trying to get this thing set up and then there'd always be compromises and it would work, you know, 80% or whatnot, or it would break and what, and at first it always felt like failures. And then you look back and like, there was a lot of really good camaraderie there and a lot of really fun troubleshooting at three in the morning, trying to figure out why a Harbor Freight winch is not working or whatever you're trying to do, you know, whatever Arduino's <laughs> trying to connect to the internet together weather data or whatever we were doing at that time. So yeah, no, I can totally understand that. You do remember the the challenges and the difficulties, but that's a lot of the fun there. It, it is. It's it's the, what would you call it? Hardware masochism. Um, <laughs> like we've been building stuff. I mean, we, we had some things lately where we're, we're doing some rework, replacing some resistors. And it's funny, I lit up. I'm like, okay, I get to hot air these hundreds resistors. Super fun. <laughs> Yeah, on that challenges, we had a really weird bug in Snacky <laughs> that developed. We thought that developed like halfway through DEF CON because it was working fine, or we thought it was working fine. Yeah, Parker and I are pointing fingers the entire con Sorry, at each because, other. Because, your code <laughs> sucks. No, your code sucks. <laughs> yeah, because Zap wrote the, the Python and then had to rewrite it all like the morning of DEF CON. And so, of course, that's what we first blamed. <laughs> and the... Uh, sitting here like in one corner we have the embedded system with c in the other corner we have hastily written python go who's wrong yeah and it actually ended up being the embedded c and we found that we figured out that bug yeah. uh <laughs> two, two nights ago two night yeah two nights it was yeah over this past weekend and it and it only pops up because of full integration testing though if you actually sent the commands to the embedded system one at a time etc cetera, et cetera, everything works great it's when you did the full integration and you started sending multiple commands and specifically the commands that I copied from like LED libraries that do like blinky lights, they are poorly written and they would overrun their, their array buffers and they would just immediately start corrupting the vendor positions and then all hell breaks loose on snacky because now it's losing its mind. So if, if anybody listening to this, it was one of the ones that entered a vend and they got the wrong vend position. This is my why fault. it was the, fault. well, I mean, but it was the, the LEDs overriding the wrong position, but that was uh, the, cause there, that creates some deadlocks or I oh, yeah, found some sure. deadlocks through that in the Python mm -hmm. code as well, waiting for things that never came back. And it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that was the, 
So it would work for like the first like two or three vens. It would work perfectly fine. And then it would just like lose its mind and stop. It would just vend from one location, which at the beginning of DEF CON was fine because everything was just kind of randomly put in there. But near the end, when we only had a couple spots left, it would just start vending from blank locations. And it wouldn't make any sense because the Python would be like vend A5 and then snacky vends like C3. And you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And basically you had to go way into the troubleshooting was like, okay, serial buffer sniff. So make sure Python's actually sending out the right stuff. And then Python sending the right stuff. Go into the embedded, have it debug out what its serial is getting. It's getting the right thing. And basically had to go all the way down. And then I basically started noticing that the stack was getting corrupted. And I'm like, okay, why is the stack getting corrupted? And then found <laughs> Found basically the LEDs would, uh, some cases overrun their the end of their array, and uh, so yeah, that was an interesting find because that was just code I straight up like copied from like Stack Exchange probably last year. <laughs> Don't worry, so did Chat, so did Chat GPT, right? Yeah. But to Blitz's point, those are the fun moments. Like you and I are sitting there troubleshooting into the wee hours. I, I'm like remotely working on a database on a vending machine in Texas, and you're sitting there probing and dealing with serial lines and we're just like what the hell is going on i think you got an overflow there's got to be an overflow and we're like oh i turned off the leds it blinged too hard it partied too (laughs) hard and had overflows well because we spent most of our time looking in the ven code on the embedded (laughs) side too because that's what was causing where it was manifesting but it ended up being a completely different part of the code that was just not respecting its pointers (laughs) Not respecting its 4,096K of RAM. Oh, sorry, bytes of RAM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bytes. <laughs> yeah. But we fixed that, and I did find some other arrays that look suspect in the uh, LED code, so I fixed all those too. And it's been running for past... Uh, ever since we fixed it, it's been running. Every time I go over there every so often and punch in a code and it vends the right spot. So maybe it's fixed. We'll see. It's something else is going to break, and it's DEF CON. I think what would have helped us is if we had better logs from both devices that we could match up and see that, hey, I said vend A5 and Snacky decided to vend C3 if we had some way to, to do that. Otherwise, we're looking at it in real time and saying, yeah, the person typed in this code. I gave them the right vend. Mm-hmm. Everything looks fine. And then as soon as you walk away, it breaks. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to be, well, it's going to be better this year too because it's like it has a proper PC in it instead of that Raspberry Pi. It has heritage now. Yeah. it's growing a beard it's getting gray yeah it's just all the things that we thought were going to be problems last year ended up just not being problems like at all it's just other things like this weird array bug and it manifesting from a different section of the code so which is i guess is the downside of c as a as a language or the downside of copying from stack exchange (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess i should check to see if the rays would at least that, that's the one thing i've learned though is now if i'm going to copy code from chat gpt is to make sure the arrays don't get overrun i'm curious what was the fix did you just put like a check in there and then reset the arrays or did you straight up rewrite the code oh um it's an array for like filling up the leds for the color of the LEDs before it shoves it out over over oh, the uh, okay. LED bus. You have like a regular interval that you shove the colors out? There's a regular interval for that, but there's another, there's a basically an offset in some of the patterns that make the super fancy like blinky mm. patterns. And sometimes that offset 
would coincide to the very end of the array and then it would be over it. So basically the check is to make sure that your iterator is can't be bigger than the sum of those two now instead of just the number of the array, the length of the array. So it's like length array minus the offset was the fix. Cool. Cool. So we talked about Snacky. Snacky is going to be coming back bigger, better. Well, not bigger. Improved, I hope. Much improved. I'm going to hold you to bigger next year. I want to see double Snacky or triple Snacky like Voltron. Snacky just becomes like 2% larger. (laughs) Actually, we had an idea in that art collective I talked about earlier that we always wanted to do, but it would be a giant pain is to have a vending machine that vends vending machines. Uh, just <laughs> this like gigantic, <laughs> like so museum meta. size vending machine that just, <laughs> you know, with Carvana going out of business, you can probably <laughs> get you one of those car vending machines and put <laughs> vending machines in it. I was going to say, doesn't yeah. that count as a vending machine? Yeah, it's a vending machine. It's a vending machine. How great would that be if you wanted to get like a Coke and it would drop an entire vending machine out and then that would dispense your Coke? <laughs> we call that Snacky Senior. Snacky Senior. <laughs> Snacky's just going to keep going through iterations. I, I I have this nonsensical fantasy one year that I can convince Crab Foam to do this, though he probably won't. Eventually, we're going to be like, all right, we're done with Snacky. Caesar's Forum is across from the BattleBot Stadium. This actually sounds awesome. And we convinced the people with the soda machine to have Drinky versus Snacky in the BattleBots Forum. And maybe Snacky gets retired or maybe Snacky wins. Fatality. I don't know. I just want to participate in BattleBots and make a vending machine that murders other robots. (laughs) What? Um, I'm thinking of a vending machine and like the redemption door opens and like a big <laughs> axe comes out. <laughs> For whatever reason, that sounds like something that would be on a future on episode. Snacky just falls on top of the. Well, other yeah, robot. yeah, no, because they have the in Futurama, they have those suicide booths. So it's, it'd be a vend to death. So are there any uh, are there any juicy updates on uh, Snacky for this year or is that not something we're allowed to know about? She has a, a screen now. Oh, screen's cool. Screen's cool. Well, technically multiple screens. Yeah, technically multiple screens. Okay. I, there was a thing removed. Do you want to talk about that? Are you okay talking about that? Is that not redacted? I, I think we can talk about that. Oh, we can talk about that. Yeah, we removed the... Because that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> last year where the bill acceptor was on Snacky, we put in a pick challenge, like a lock picking challenge. And so if you picked it, it would activate and it would send a command to Snacky's main board and blah, 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 and it would vend a badge for you. But no one picked it. And like, even on the last day, we had like, I basically set aside like three hours to let people try to pick it on the vending machine and no one could pick it. And so we kind of just removed it as a challenge because no one got it last year and it honestly actually just caused more chaos because people were trying to use Snacky as like a vending machine while someone's like up off to the side trying to pick the the lock on the vending machine. And then people would try to pick the other locks on the vending machine that were not in scope. And yeah, it just caused mass confusion. And so we're just, we just removed it from this year. We replaced it with something else. That's something we can't talk about yet though. Well, we, we've gone back to our more traditional PCB right. weave manufactured badge. After DEF CON 28 was the COVID remote year, 
that one we did PCB in acrylic. Beautiful badge. It's actually the favorite, my favorite one we've done with the BlackBerry keyboard and the two screens. After that, because we got hit pretty hard financially and then uh, also time. DEF CON, well, the schedule that year, just everything kind of got messed up. So we moved to just a puzzle badge. And we basically made a lot more of those than we normally do and handed a lot out like candy. And then last year we did the smartwatch. So those two years were not really traditional and not XOR badges. This year we're going back to traditional plus snacky, and we think people will like it a lot. A lot of hacker challenges in there. See, the, I think the puzzle badge, the 555 timer, that was my favorite. Probably because I did a lot more of the hardware than normal, but that was my favorite one so far. That was fun just from a, how do you design this PCB to be a puzzle? Like we had a lot of ideas that we'd thrown around and a lot of things just didn't like there were good ideas, but you couldn't manufacture it using conventional processes. Like I think originally we wanted actual puzzle pieces, like to make a generic puzzle piece so you could snap them together. But realistically the mouse bites and everything that comes with it, it, it just wouldn't work well. So DEF CON 2023, which is DEF CON 31, which stands for, it's like the 30. Well, did they count the one they got canceled as a number? Yeah, that was DEFCON 28. Okay. It was just virtual, but it counted. So what can we tell our listeners about the badge that we've been working on this year? What can we actually say? Well, it has a math coprocessor and a turbo button. No, I'm sorry. Your last episode was 386, and I'm disappointed you didn't make any 386 puns on (laughs) MEP 386. I'm like... Math coprocessor, turbo buttons, uh, a Matrox Mystique video card. Sorry. I don't know. Sneak peek. I mean, Zap mentioned it is a traditional Anodics or badge, meaning we designed the PCB. Can we, can we go back to the math coprocessor? Oh, yes. Yes. The Intel 387 was the math coprocessor, right? And this is episode 387. Oh, my first PC was a 386 and I wanted a 387 to go in that empty slot in my home PC so badly. Never got it. Anyways, go back. You know what? Future, future feature idea. We should throttle the MCU and add a button that's a turbo button that will just release the throttle just to speed it up. Just change it. I could do that on this year's badge. A turbo button? Mm Mm-hmm. All Gen Z is like, what the hell are they talking about? Turbo buttons. And my favorite thing with that turbo button is actually did the exact opposite. Is it slowed down your computer. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, look at all the frame rates I'm getting out of Doom and Tomb Raider. Yeah, it's a more classic and that XOR badge. Can we can we talk about the lack of something? The lack of something. Yeah, so the lack of a screen. Perhaps. Oh, yes. Because so snacky, the snack machine gained a screen and the badge lost the screen. Correct. That's a fair thing to address. Yeah. I mean, in general, the badge is still it has bling. It's artistic. It is a hacker tool. It has some games. It has a lot of challenges. It's kind of peering into a future topic. But in lieu of a screen, there was some application of our serial terminal to do interesting things. And um, we're, we're trying to make use of ANSI and ANSI escape sequences to do things we have never done before with the use of AI. 
not on our badge, but using the miraculous hype of hype curve to assist us in writing code. Because just like you dug into in 386, it was really a good excuse for us to try to poke at all of these different AI tools to figure out how bad are they really and what can we do? And that's in regards to like actually writing the firmware for it. Yeah. Well, let's see. How do we give value in source code, right? Uh, source lines of code. I have a thousand slot written by GPT, but I would say nearly all of the challenges and the script for the challenges were written by an AI, which means, uh, yeah, I just drank beer and kept my feet up, right? No, I spent equal amount of time as if I were writing firmware directing an AI to write code for me because it does incredibly wonderful and stupid things. And um, I, I guess I'm going off on more of a tangent, but I'm curious, like based on like some of the things you were describing about AI before in, in last week's episode, it's interesting to be like, hey, the badge has the same features. We really tried to pump in AI as much as we could just to see like how useful is this? Where does it fail? Like, I think we always try to learn every year. And for me personally, that was something I wanted to learn this year is I'm going to play with Bard. I'm going to play with chat GPT. I'm going to play with all these different things and see how well it works. And um, trust me, there's a lot of failures, but it's kind of in line with the cotton gin where people freak out and think, oh, my God, AI is going to replace programmers. And that's not the case. It It's going to automate some really menial, redundant tasks, but what you gain is building the skill of how do I use some of these tools to help me do better? And in terms of a serial terminal, going back to like our 386, right? Uh, We have wonderful nostalgic graphics on a 386 where you're you have these CGA graphics and anti escape sequences and these really cool like graphics. And that was it's such a pain to manually code that. And so being able to instruct a general purpose translator to say, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, something that would have taken me a long, long time to do, I could at least instruct it to build it piecemeal for me. To do some graphically really cool things in lieu of a screen, but using a serial terminal instead. That was a long-winded way of saying something without saying a lot, right? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I have a question here. Mm-hmm. Given that all of our listeners are just listening here, I'm the only one who can see you guys. I'm going to ask a question, and uh, you guys can blink for an answer on this, or you can give a, an, an audible answer to it. Is there some kind of a connection between the badge and Snacky this year? And if so, you can blink twice for that, or you can give an audible answer on it. To find connection. Well, I think if I if I recall correctly, last year there was no interactivity between the badge and Snacky. So as far as like, yeah, does the badge connect in any way to Snacky? No, but is there a logical connection between them in some way through challenges or storyline or vending or whatever? Ooh, okay. Yes. Yeah, that's actually one thing we haven't talked about at all is... The Anna Exor, like, Snacky is a official DEF CON challenge this year. That's true. Like, right. it's in the contest room. Oh, De- DEF CON recognizes it. Yeah, so if so, the, there will be a recognized, you know, first place 
which technically snacky as a cha- as a contest at defcon means it could be a black badge contest and and defcon will decide that that weekend if it's if snacky is worthy we'll still award you know a winner uh, but whether or not they an official defcon black badge is you know remains to be seen it'd be great if we qualified for that i think it'd be a big badge of honor so what what is that for people who don't know sorry so black badge defcon i think there's only one contest at defcon that's an automatic black badge. That's a CTF. That's a global competition. And DEFCON itself is the championship of that. And then they have an, another dozen or so black badges they award to these contest winners. And with a black badge from any year, you can get into every future DEFCON for free. And with the way that DEFCON prices have gone up the last few years, that's a real, real valuable commodity. And that's just from entry, right? That's that's really nice to have a black badge to go for free and all that. But it says a lot about what you've done or what you've accomplished in the past, because usually somebody says, Oh, that's so-and-so they're a black badge holder. Uh, there's, it's kind of a, it's, it's an honor thing. Yeah. The other thing with the black badges is they're usually made. They're one-offs. They're very unique. They're different from all the human and goon badges and contest badges and all the other ones that go with the DEF CON. They're very special. There's been radioactive elements in some of them. There have been ones that have been designed by, you know, special effects artists in Hollywood, all sorts of crazy things have gone into these black badges. And so they're very, very difficult to replicate. And so just having that is a very special thing to achieve. And so, yeah, like I mentioned, usually you'll see, hey, so-and-so black badge holder. You're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're amazing. So it'd be great if the winner of Snacky this year got a black badge. I think building on that, though, like you were asking, how do they interact, communicate, whatever there is a logical integration, but I think on the back end, what's interesting and what made this challenging is, you know, we were joking, Snacky is an IoT vending machine and you have this vending machine connected to the internet, connected to some back end infrastructure, connected to a CTF platform and, and then having an embedded device where People are solving challenges and and getting flags so they can enter in their codes into like this capture the flag platform for a challenge and getting one time use of end codes sent back to them so they can just walk up to Snacky and punch in the code and get a badge vended to them. And it's weird to say, like, as far as, you know, what is the badge doing from a project perspective? That's a lot. Normally, we were just isolated to a badge, and now we're working on back-end infrastructure, cloud infrastructure, trying to sync multiple different services and databases together so that we can get badges to get vended from a vending machine from some hacker challenge that someone's working on a custom PCB. And trying to test that and break it, and, and you know, we're talking hacker challenges where people are supposed to be breaking the badge. You want them to break it in intended ways, not unintended ways. And I would say QA and testing out of all of that is it is a challenge. It's a fun challenge. But, you know, Zap and I and others are going back and forth throughout the year. of, Oh, my God, I broke this. How do we undo this so others don't break it? And yeah, <laughs> I don't think, though, uh, back on the uh, the whole snacky integration is. Yeah, it, it just became the whole idea of just like, yeah, a vending machine that just vends the badges and people just typing codes expanded to this, like just 
ginormous like tech stack that we've developed. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, I mean, you don't want people to abuse it. You don't want someone to get a code and go type it in 30 times and get 30 badges. You have to put controls in place, and then it's going back and forth between, like like you said, it, it grows into IT infrastructure and security and and oh my God, I'm trying to make a security-based challenge where people are being encouraged to break things and I don't want them to break this thing, but these other things. And that's that's always fun. <laughs> well, and you're, you're bringing into a hostile environment, right? You're almost asking for people to break into it. And so last year, I think good lesson learned was we put a bunch of chopsticks. Oh God. And plastic babies at the bottom <laughs> of inside the little like return piece where you get the candy from a vending machine. So you have to explain why that though. So there's a game called let it flow. That was a game that was invented by a uh, car hacking village from Defcon at Defcon China pre COVID and let it flow was you had to place your, your listeners are like this. You had to place parts on a PCB using chopsticks. And then there was a judge that judged how well you place them. So it'd be like, Oh, 402 resistors SOIC parts, all these different parts, and then they judge and you know, over to the best wins, you know, will it flow in the, the oven? The baby piece was another game that Karaking Village invented using the same chopsticks, and they had these little plastic babies, and you and this was meant for like large conference rooms, you passed the baby. So you you took the baby with the chopsticks, you passed them to the next person with chopsticks, you couldn't drop the baby, and then you took your chopsticks and gave them to the next, you know, the person after them. And so you see if you could pass this baby all the way through the room. So we, we kind of, hey, that's kind of funny. We love ramen. Ramen's one of our sticks at DEF CON. You'll see ramen theme with us. You'll see us eating ramen all the time. And so we, with the badges, we gave out chopsticks. We had extra chopsticks as well. We handed out plastic babies too, so people could play the game themselves. They were, any extras were thrown inside snacky. People took those chopsticks, they taped them together, they glued them together, did all sorts of, crazy interesting things and started making contraptions that could go inside snacky and start to steal things off the different vent positions. And to be honest, we kind of allowed it for a while, right? A lot of people came up to us and said, Hey, you know, they're trying to steal stuff. We're like, you know what? It's a hacker conference. We gave them chopsticks. Let's see what they can do. And it was great. Uh, some people did push it too far. I probably won't be doing that again, but yeah, just a, a little interesting like side note with snacky last year. Yeah, it's a hacker conference, and we were like, well, they're at least, it was, at the beginning, it was, they were doing a physical attack, is how we viewed it. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that's fine. But then they started to break Snacky, yeah, and uh, that was no bueno. So we had to put a stop to that. Yeah, I mean, and that's where you're crossing the line, where it's like, hey, we put all this effort in, we're here to have fun do interesting things, don't break the vending machine, like, that's not cool. So yeah, in lieu of Hey, we want to encourage fun, interesting things, but uh, let's let's not give out like hundreds of chopsticks again. That didn't work out in our favor. <laughs> now I bet you people are going to show up with like shim tools and stuff. Yep, to try to get through that door. Yeah, the difference this year is they know Snacky's coming. Right, last year Snacky was a surprise. Yeah, but the good thing this year is it's now an official contest, and so there are rules, and we can actually the the goons will be there and all that good stuff. So. Hopefully no one decides to bring a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's too far. Yeah. We did have someone like ask that, it, like if they could bring a sledgehammer to Snacky. And it was like, what are you thinking about? Yeah. Like, why would you destroy our vending machine? That's. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, you say something like, that's out of scope. Nothing's out of scope. And you're like, no, breaking this is out of scope. That's not cool. Like, we didn't put all this effort in so you can bust out the acrylic. I mean, it's not even just, like, breaking snacky, but it's, like, ruining the fun for the hundreds of other people that are trying to do the challenge and get a badge. Crowbars are not part of the challenge. (laughs) And so going back to interfacing with snacky and the badge, uh, one of the things we did learn was the crowd that we had around snacky was very large at all times. And, Parker, you you mentioned that, hey, you know, the lockpicking challenge – that prevented people from typing in codes because somebody would be trying to pick the lock. They'd be there for five or 10 minutes, building up a line behind them. So having the badge interface with Snacky kind of creates a physical constraint as far as like, do you put the badge in the front and now you're going to make everyone else behind them wait. So there's a lot of considerations there that we didn't have the first year. We didn't really think through crowd control that we're certainly thinking through this year. So any interfacing that goes on, we had to really consider, is this something we want? Is it fast enough? What's it going to do with the, the crowd behind them? Are, are you trying to limit it to one person interfacing at a time? Exactly. And we, we want them to be there to get their time, to get their prize, and then to move out of the way, right? Let the next person enjoy it. One thing that happened last year was we were using the same six flags over and over again. You solved the challenge, you got the flag. Well, if the second person solved the same challenge, they got the same flag. And then to get around people reusing it, we put a timeout in there. So once a flag was entered, you had to wait 30 minutes the next time that same flag could be used, which was fine for keeping it so people couldn't just jackpot the machine. It wasn't fine from the perspective of two people solve it within 30 minutes. Only the first person is going to get the prize. The second person has to wait until that flag yeah. resets. That flag is available again. And that in itself generated a crowd. And that's the thing we want to avoid this year. I think to offset that more too, like I could pick a random number, like 20, 30 challenges on the badge. We front load, you know, a smaller set for people to get a badge. And then the remaining challenges are done on the badge, which is great because then people are spending less time taking up time in front of Snacky. They're going up, getting their their hints, their codes, getting the badge. And then they're spending more time working on on the hardware challenges that are on the badge and it's interesting when you talk about like QA and testing and, and trying to make sure everything is working because a lot of times people automate their regression tests on a system. And when you have an embedded device, especially a hardware hacking challenge, there are things you cannot automate because you have to physically interact with it and physically do things to it. So every time like we're making firmware changes, like Zap and Parker and I are joking on the side, like, hey, we made some updates. I think I fixed some things. All right, roll a new uh, firmware version. Going to go regression test it and physically bust out all the tools and start hacking away on it because it's not like I can just run a bash script or a Python script and see if everything works. I have to actually dig in hands on and make sure I can break it and I'm happy that's a thing, but that's also a challenge that it's a thing because you make one small change to firmware and you want to make sure nothing got broken and you have to physically go through the process every single time. Yeah, the other, so along those lines, one of the things we wanted to do this year, and I think every year too, is take people out of their comfort zone. We want them to do things with the badge they don't think they should be able to do. Uh, Maybe I'm being too vague, but... There are things in there that, that look like they should be used one way, but you use them another way. And so I, hopefully people enjoy that as they kind of go through the challenges and go, 
Should I really be doing this to this badge? Yes, yes, you should. Because at the end of that, you get to solve that challenge and move on to the next one. But but are there anything that is just like, you can just say right now, it's like, just don't do this. Be kind to Snacky. Yeah, well, be kind to Snacky. Don't break it in half. Yeah, don't destroy Snacky. That's that's the number one rule. And we'll have plenty of rules like that. For the badge itself, I don't know. It's it's kind of meant to be, obviously don't destroy it. But you're gonna, we're going to ask you to do things that you feel like you might destroy it. Yeah. They're, I would say probably zapping it with 20,000 volts is probably not a good idea. Yeah, that's crossing the line. That's out of scope. It will be different by the time the challenges are over. It will be physically different. Yes. And there's it's more of a, a hardware hacking challenge. So we think people will, will like that. Uh, a lot of folks at DEF CON are very software oriented. Sort of the you know soldering is not as many people know it like they used to. And so we're going to ask you to do some soldering, perhaps. Uh, we're going to ask you to kind of understand what, what's going on electrically inside the badge. And hopefully that takes, that gets some of the software people to look at hardware a little bit closer. So you're blending concepts from previous years. Yeah. I think more, more hardware focused this year than previous. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And I like that. I, I like that, you know, people can't just run, like they can't just run a bunch of Python scripts and get to the answer. You're, you're, you're going to have to, physically do things, electrically do things to to solve some of these hardware hacking challenges. And that's I, I think that's good because a lot of times, you know, people will look at information security or hacking and think of it only from a software perspective. And it's like IoT devices and other embedded systems, you have physical access, you have a lot of power. You can do weird, strange things to them. And if anything, it, it's a fun excuse to get people out of their comfort zone and do things to a piece of hardware in their hands where um, own it, make it do things unintended. So is it hardware hacking with a software approach or a software approach with hardware hacking or all the above? Yes. That's that's exactly what I expected <laughs> you to say. Inscriptive <laughs> but chat GPT. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Like, uh, like I, I know we always talk about like our next year's badge, and we're already already planning on what that's going to be like. Do we do we want to like let out anything about that yet? WDC thirty two. No. No. <laughs> no. I'm I'm struggling to get through this year, so yeah, please no. I, I'm waiting for Vegas to inspire Zap on. I got a crazy idea. <laughs> Yeah, that's always the best. It's usually about day two, and <laughs> Zap's like, Zap gets his own like a corner, and we just like hash out ideas for the next year's badge. <laughs> well, so this year's a little bit unique because there, we are actually doing a non DEFCON badge, which is kind of rare for us. So I'm doing one in September, end of September. So I can get through DEFCON, and then you can get through that one, and then I can focus on whatever happens at DEFCON 32. Okay, so other than this podcast, when uh, when can we expect some more information about this badge? We are doing another release video. People really liked last year's release video, so go on our YouTube channel. I think it's is it my channel? Maybe it's our and and channel. We can put it on both. Yeah, definitely look at our release video from last year. We have one in the works right now for next for thirty one. Uh, and that's when basically everything's going to come out as far as what the badge looks like, what it does, 
Uh, that should be a couple weeks. That always gets people very excited for DevCon. Do we have an actual date for that? Uh, no, I don't want to promise anything and under deliver. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So, so what are the dates of DevCon? They'll come out at least after DevCon. <laughs> no, the video come out before DevCon. We, but what, what are what are the dates of DevCon? Because it'll have to happen sometime before then. Let's just say that. Uh, it's August 10th through the 13th. Okay, so <laughs> not a lot of time from now. I, I think it's fair to say the first week of August-ish. First week of August, that's a good time. Yeah. Okay, so two weeks from basically the release of this podcast, we can expect some kind of cool video or something from you guys. Yep. So, uh, again, where can people find more about Anna XOR, Zap, Hyron? Best place is our Twitter account, even though Twitter is a dumpster fire right now. A-N-D-N-X-O-R. Same thing, .com is our website. We released everything on Twitter first and then other platforms as we get a chance. Oh, and we have a public Discord for it as well. There is a public Discord, yep. There's a link on our Twitter to join in on it. So definitely if you want to, like look at last year's badges or you have last year's badges and want to hack on it and stuff. Cause I know there's still people working on them from last year in there. Yeah. There's a, there's a nice little community in there uh, of people trying to help each other. I'm sure for DEF CON 31, people will be in there trying to solve the challenges together. So it's, it's great to see them help each other out and building that community. Cool. Let's uh, wrap this thing up. Yes, let's do it. So that was the Macrofab engineering podcast. We were your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dolman. And thank you. So- Take it easy. Oh, well, thank you so much, Hyron <laughs> and Zap. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. So now you can take it easy. Thank you, Yes You, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at Macrofab at Longhorn Engineer or at Analog ENG or email us at podcast at macrofab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at macrofab.com slash Slack.